Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbird styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Which man knows from experience. He knows more thoroughly than he knows anything else in this world. Or than he can know that same truth in any other way. If what I tell you is true, and you believe it, a benediction is pronounced upon you, as we are told in the very end of the book of John. But the day will come, if it is true, that you yourself will know it from experience, and then you really know it. Then you can be called as a witness. So we are told that truth Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Is that true? And what is this mystery called Jesus Christ? Well, tonight let me share with you what I know from experience. The Gospel of John is in many ways the crown of the Scriptures. It is the simplest and yet the most profound book in the New Testament. It starts off with these stories, and the stories never come to an end. They pass off into conversations, and the conversations fade from a dialogue into a monologue. We find subtle use of words with double meanings. And in each case, those who hear it take the obvious meaning in its context, which is not the meaning intended. There is another meaning, 
a meaning that is related to the history of redemption. We find this especially in the conversation between Nicodemus and the Lord. Nicodemus came by night. He was a ruler of the Jews, a member of the Sanhedrin, a Pharisee, a brilliant mind, the interpreter of the law, but he recognized in this teaching that which, well, all were expecting. They couldn't quite understand how it could come embodied in a man. For the man was simply a man like all other men. How could it possibly be embodied in a man? So he came by night. And he said, Teacher, I know that you are sent from God. For no one could do these signs. And in John, they're not called miracles. They're all called signs. There are seven signs. And these signs are not done out of compassion. But simply to reveal the divine power. So I have seen in these signs that only one sent by God could manifest its signs. And then starts the conversation. And it breaks completely from this. And he turns to Nicodemus and he says, Unless you be born anew, or the word could be again. It never meaning is from above. The word is anothen. Nicodemus takes it in its first and obvious form. Unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. He replied, can a man that is old once again enter his mother's womb and be born? And the Lord said to him, you, a teacher of Israel, and you do not know, unless you are born, and he uses the word anothen, which again Nicodemus takes to be, again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. But as you read it, you can see that the word from above is intended, not again, as the world teaches reincarnation, has nothing to do with that. There are two modes. One is from below and one is from above. We're all born in this world from below, from the mother's womb, in these garments of flesh and blood. But there is another birth and it comes from above. And that birth is out of the skull of the individual, which no one heard of such a birth before. And when that one comes out, it's the same being who is now clothed in this garment of flesh and blood. But it's an entirely different being that's coming out. It is God himself that is being born. It was God who entered death's door, the human skull. It is God who laid down in that grave to share with the individual these visions called the dream of life. It is that God in the end who was actually bring together the one who is called John, called Stan, called by any name, and so weave it within himself that he will actually be that being, and that being will be God. That is the being that is being born from above. 
Nicodemus could not understand it. He uses another uh, word with its subtle double meaning. And the word is translated wind, or it could be spirit. He said, as the wind blows where it wills, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell whence it comes or whither it goes. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus cannot understand that. And yet it is from actual experience a wind, and it is the Spirit. When it happens to you, you hear the wind. It's an unearthly wind, fantastic wind. You think it is a storm, a frightful hurricane if you've ever gone through one. I've gone through many at sea, and maybe one or two on the earth, on the land. But I've gone through quite a few hurricanes at sea, and they are disturbing, but it's not, you can't compare it to this sort of wind. It's a wind that takes place within you, and yet at the same time, it is taking place seemingly coming from without. You hear it, and your whole head is vibrating. And yet you feel that the source of it is in the corner. The wind awakens you. That's when you'll be born. When this peculiar wind takes place. He sends his spirit. And the spirit awakens you. And the spirit is the wind. And when you awake, you awake within your own skull. And you know it is a grave. It is a sepulchre. That's where someone, at some moment in time, placed you. And they placed only the dead there. Therefore you must have been dead. Or they thought you dead. And so here, death was turned into sleep. And the dreamer of their sleep is God, who entered death's door with you. Now, he tells us that this is a gift. What gift? The gift of God is Christ. The gift of Christ is the return of memory. For Christ gives the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And when he comes upon you, he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the gift of God is his Son. Christ is the Son of God. The gift of the Son is to bring to your remembrance. What remembrance? That you are God. That you are the Father. That's the gift of the Son. It takes the Son to, to bring to your remembrance who you really are. It takes the gift of the Father to give you his Son. Or if he doesn't give you his Son, you will never know that you are God the Father. So the conversation goes on, and these are subtle double meanings between the use of the word. The obvious meaning, well, we always take that first, and that's not what is intended. Now he tells us, the Son of Man, and here every scholar misinterprets it. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And they said, that's, now he is foreshadowing the nature of his death on the cross. There is no statement in 
the five books of Moses, that it was a cross on which the serpent was nailed. He was lifted up, a fiery serpent lifted up on a rod, a single rod. The obvious meaning is, all right, that's how he's going to die, on a cross. I tell you from experience, that's not what it means. It's actually being lifted up, a fiery serpent, and you are that fiery serpent. Lifted up on the cross of your own spine. And lifted up where? Listen to the words. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. On a cross? No. On the rod. Or lifted up where? Lifted up into heaven. For no one can ascend into heaven, but he who first descends from heaven, the Son of Man. So the Son of Man descended from heaven. And only the Son of Man can ascend into heaven. But who is the Son of Man? The question is asked, who is the Son of Man? They mention all kinds of names, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, some other prophet. But who do you say that I am? He equates the Son of Man with I am. And when you are lifted up, who is lifted up? I am. And you go up like some fiery serpent into your own wonderful skull and it vibrates like thunder. So all these truths are so subtly stated that man completely misunderstands it and takes the outer or first meaning and it isn't the first meaning at all. That's the book of John, written by the most profound teacher that we have in scripture. If you mention another one, yes, you could mention Paul and the unnamed one who wrote the epistle to the Hebrews. These are the three giants in the New Testament. They're the ones who experienced it and then told it in their own wonderful way. But John is so poetically told. Every verse is like poetry when you read it. And having had the experience, you stand amazed that someone could tell it so beautifully as the unknown author called John wrote it. That grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace is love in action. And John said, God is love. So it's God in action. And grace is an unmerited, unearned gift. If you had earned it, it would be your wages. It could not then be a gift. It's a gift. An unearned gift. And what is the gift? He gave his only son. He gave me his only son to bring to my remembrance the being who I am. For I'm God. You're God. Everyone is God. But not until the gift comes. Now, in Scripture, we read, He who has seen me has seen the Father. This is all in John. The word to see and to know are the same word in Greek. So he who has seen me knows the Father. If you do not see me, you do not know the Father. But if you encounter me, you cannot help but know the Father. So you have been 
with me so long, Philip, and you do not know the Father? He who has seen me has seen the Father. If you see me, you instantly know the Father, for you're going to see your own Son. And he is the Son of God the Father. And the minute you see him, you know he's your son. And that was God's gift to you. He gave himself to you. That is the purpose of scripture. To reveal to man God's infinite gift, which is himself. But he can't persuade you that he actually has become you. Unless his son appears, whose son is your son. So he gave his only begotten son. That you may know his gift to you. For he gave you his son, but in giving you his son, not as a companion, but as your son, then you are God the Father. There is no other way in eternity that you will ever know that you are God, unless his son appears. And that son is David. Yes, the sweet psalmist. The great David of scripture. That is the Son of God. He is the Christ. And so God gives you his Son that you may know you are God. So the gift is only to reveal to you who you really are. That's why I say it is the crumb of the scriptures. It is the most profound book in the scriptures. And yet so simply told. But the subtle use of a word with double meaning. And it's always misunderstood. The wisest of men, the Sanhedrin, they were considered the wisest men of Israel. They were the rulers of Israel. They were the great Pharisees. They knew the law backwards. They were the brilliant minds. He sensed in this one what he was not expecting. What no one of the members of the Sanhedrin could grasp. He came to the defense of Christ, as you read it in the seventh chapter of John. He said, does our law judge a man before he is heard? And then they say to him, his own members of the Sanhedrin, Are you too a Galilean? Is there any prophecy in scripture that he comes out of Galilee? Or prophet comes out of Galilee? Yes, there is, but they didn't know it. Jonah came out of Galilee. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.